Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. Politics never really stop, and the 2020 campaign is already heating up. Fresh faces continue to join an already crowded field of Democrats and a billionaire best known for his work as the CEO of Starbucks and for selling out his Seattle basketball fans has emerged as an independent candidate. And the country is still led by an overgrown child who has comb over deep in subpoenas and poor negotiating skills. Today on the podcast, we discuss these topics and so much more. Coming up next, we talk politics with Eugene, Oregon's most lovable bully, Mayo Finch. Welcome to the Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Self-Esteem Bo Willie. My guest today is a dear friend, Mayo Finch. Mayo, welcome to the podcast. Hey, how's it going, man? <laughs> so, Mayo, we've been friends for, gosh, 20-something years. Haven't seen each other in quite a while. Uh, I think in a little bit, we'll get to how we met through Alfie. Uh, just a nut job. Yeah, my, I've had a failed porn career, you know. No. Nut job was not a segue. <laughs> that was not a segue. Um, we don't want to talk about any failed success porn career. We don't care. <laughs> right. Even though in my intro, I did say, I did say that I made a reference to Trump and I said that he uh, has poor negotiating skills. And I like how it sounded like I sounded like I was saying porn. So. Anyways, Mile, thanks for coming, dude. Hey, I'm glad to be here. And, man. you know, the reason that I asked you to do this was because you've always been super politically active and your Facebook posts aren't just memes like you think for yourself sometimes. And it's obvious that you either spent uh, quite a while writing something or you spent two seconds because there's no in between. Like you, you both <laughs> post. Sometimes, it, sometimes it is literally verbal diarrhea, I'm sure. Yeah, plenty of it. You know, I, uh, it. Social media is really interesting. You know, it's like you can put yourself out there just a little bit. And next thing you know, people are going goo goo over it. And then you put in something like hours of thought and research and just right. really deep stuff. And like, you know, it's crickets. Right. It's it is. It's true. And I think some of it has to do with the way that they show stuff, because if it's going to cause pain, then Facebook likes to share it, you know, because there's an algorithm. Yeah. You can't fight the algorithm. Because I swear that you, I can see that sometimes certain things just don't get shared, you know, that are, like you said, you spend a lot of time on it. They're like, we don't want people to think, you know? <laughs> so, um, so let's get right into it. One of the things we're going to go over today mainly is a lot of the candidates that are popping up because now there's like 52 people running for president. And I think it's actually kind of a good thing. It's funny, but it is a good thing this far ahead because that keeps conversations pretty broad. You know, so 
Let's just go ahead and start. Yeah, some, let's some do of the candidates. Let's go for it. We're going to do a lightning round for an hour. <laughs> for an hour. Uh, some of the candidates, you know, the big one I want to go over because I mentioned it in the intro. Howard Schultz. This guy came out of nowhere. Yeah, I didn't know who he was a week ago, and then talking to people, learning more about how he totally destroyed the hearts of little kids that grew up Sonics fans. You know, actually, uh, I have season tickets for the Seattle Supersonics this this uh, next year. Do you? Yeah. That's great. So if you ever want to go up to Seattle and check out a Supersonics game. You obviously game. don't watch sports. <laughs> yeah, because they're in Oklahoma City now. <laughs> he promised the team, the city that he would not, he was going to sell the team. And he was, he promised that he would, you know, we're going to make sure that the new owners keep him here. And it was like within a couple of weeks that Wait, they were like. They're, they're in Oklahoma? Yeah. I spent a lot of money on those tickets. I, I was wondering. <laughs> I was wondering, you got him from Twerkit Master. Okay, so uh, yeah, so he he yeah, I didn't I didn't know about him, and I was talking to one of my customers in the barber shop, and he told me that, you know, he's like I hate Howard Schultz because he was the owner of the Sonics and got into the whole you know how the whole situation went down, and I I urge I'm not going to talk about it. I urge you guys to Google it. You know, one one thing I I want to say is like when it comes to people that were successful in business, you know, and they made their billions of dollars. They somehow think that they have the magic touch and can have the superior political knowledge and resources. It's like they made one good decision. Right. Well, or got hired into a good position. You know, I don't, I'm not sure if he founded uh, Starbucks. I honestly don't know because I haven't spent too much time researching it, but it sounds like he thinks he's a millionaire or billionaire. So he has, like you said, the magical touch. He has a book and that's probably what he's really doing. Initially with Trump, I think that we thought he was just trying to do, he was promoting a brand. It wouldn't be a book from Trump because he's written the one that he wrote. Okay. So go ahead and go ahead and say this really slowly. Okay. So the book title, Howard Schultz has a book deal. Yeah. Say it slowly. He's going on tour and his book is, uh, where is it at? His book is titled A Journey to Reimagine the promise of america so he's going somewhere to that doesn't exist for the country i mean it's it's a journey to reimagine (laughs) the promise of america that literally means nothing to me uh, yeah it's it's pure gibberish it sounds like make america great again like Like the eloquent way of saying and then you know that's the knock a lot of the liberals think that if he's in the race come whenever next year that that's gonna it's gonna sway enough you know because they just don't want to risk anything you know so think of it this way right when when you're like, hey, everybody that I talk to, you know, says and thinks this. Well, this guy's like a corporate guy, you know, like if, if it's all the people that he's talking to, it's board members and billionaires. Right. So, yeah, he's out of touch with people like us. The obviously. Person. And he has one. It seems like in the media, he has one issue that's important to him. Well, two, maybe the first one is Medicare for all. Absolutely not. Like he's completely against it. And for two, it's like, you know, trickle down, basically. Yeah, let's let, let's go ahead and see how he addresses tax issues. Exactly. I don't know if he'll be around, because if he sells enough books, maybe he'll be a double millionaire, billionaire. <laughs> yeah, let's move on from that guy. The other important one you had said off air that you wanted to mention that's running. We're going to get into Oprah later, but not Oprah. Marianne Williamson. This oh, yeah. Is, she's a spiritual guru. <clears throat> 
And I wanted to just throw this one out there now because his book name, the title of his book, and her quote are pretty similar. (laughs) Much different candidate, but her quote that I read just now, she wants to, what is it, invent... Invent the American people to get... Oh, she invites Invites the American people to get deep with her. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Uh, Yeah, you know, maybe she's a different kind of guru on the side. Who knows? So we're going to see how that one plays out as well. (laughs) You know, one thing I I like about her is that, you know, she's got like this Oprah cult following. And her cult followers are spreading, you know, her message all over uh, other candidates forums right it's really interesting to see you know like uh there's a guy that was perpetual candidate back in the day and he literally was the cult leader i can't remember the guy's name i'll I'll update you later but yeah when you get these cult people that you know try to push their candidates i mean the little bit that i read about it is if she's about like kindness and that kind of stuff it's not such a terrible thing that that's in a forum no. Do, you know, do you know what I mean? But I, I hear what you're saying. To, to kind of, and that's the thing about a primary is it steers the direction of the conversation in different ways. So as far as her seat at the table, then that's kind of that. We'll just see how that one plays out. <laughs> yeah. Viability for an elected official to be a spiritual guru. I mean, right now our president, when we do this, he does the State of the Union on Tuesday, is going to literally come out and say, "I know shit's all fucked up right now." <laughs> no, but, yeah. no, but it's literally he's going to come out and talk about how we're living in just a dystopia, just disgusting, vile, you know, decrepit place that he will fix. I know. With it, a border wall. His his vision is so horrible. It's so bleak. It's like, man. And, you know, I mean, that's the thing with what does it make America great? It's like, for who? Because for a lot of people, things are good, but it's not his, you know, doing that made it that way. Like, we do bitch. You know, there's a propaganda lyric that I like to quote that says, there's a system I oppose and it affords me the luxury of biting the hand that feeds. And that's exactly why privileged fucks like me should whine and kick and scream till everyone has everything they need. Yeah, that's rad. So things are good, but there's still a lot that we need to improve. Nah, you know, living in America, we're extremely privileged. And we forget that sometimes, Uh, you know. So moving on, another candidate. Let's just go through the list. Yeah. Uh, So Tulsi Gabbard... uh, was somebody that I actually, when she announced, I was really excited. And I basically already said I would endorse her. And then I didn't do any research like an idiot. And I kind of take it back and we'll see what she's about. But I do like what she's about, you know, policy wise and some of the ways that she's voted. I think that should matter almost more than anything is your voting record. But it looks like now NBC News is reporting today that Russian bots are already out <laughs> supporting her. So that well, should that should improve her chances. Yeah, no, she she's definitely a contender now. I think yeah. the big thing that that they're supporting her is because of the way that she's talked about Americans' intervention in Syria, or I don't, you know, their involvement in Syria, and obviously Russia wants us to stay out of that, and so Trump will do that for them. Right. I mean, you know, you know that, that that's such an in, like Syria alone is a really interesting thing. You know, it's like we're, we're taking so many complex issues such as like the refugees from Iraq that immigrated to Syria that ended up like being influenced by, you know, the, uh, well, old Iraqi regime, right. You know, the Ba'athist party, all those guys got kicked out. They ended up moving up North, you know, to Northern Iraq and Syria Right. And recruiting all these young kids and they thought they had all the brain power to do these massive infrastructure developments and thus the caliphate. 
And at the same time, the Arab Spring had happened. And when it hit Syria, Bashar al-Assad was like, no, what are you guys thinking? Right. You know? And uh, so that now you had three major factions playing. And when ISIS started up, you know, out from the uh, former Ba'athist regime, uh, party members going militant. Right. Uh, the only people that were able to actually fight him back for a long time were the Kurds. And so right. you have this four-way fight in Syria. And so America has to make a decision on if they're just going to continue to chase what they deem terrorists around that region in different country. And then is it just, you know what I mean? Or are they going to just kind of start to let them handle it themselves? Well, so like I'm Native American, right? So uh, we're in the... In, Native American tribes are, uh, they're independent country, you know, nations. Right. They're sovereign know. nations. Right? Yeah. And so the concept of sovereignty is huge. When we start running around the planet saying, hey, we're going to impose our Western ideals on, on your structure. Right. Like, yeah, no, that's. And I think we've learned from that mistake, even if, like, I, even if that's something that we were going to push. I think that we've learned from our mistakes in that. So there's a certain point where we have to pull out. So, I mean, the whole, like you said, the serious situation is difficult because there's no right answer. There's a lot of wrong answers. Well, actually, if you look at it, like I said, you know, Syrian sovereignty means that they're an independent nation. They make decisions for their internal selves. Bashar al-Assad, we might not like their style of government, but that doesn't mean he's not the legitimate leader. And I think Tulsi Gabbard came to that same kind of conclusion. She's like, you know, what are we doing over there? We need to be basically just allowing him to work on his internal disputes while working on. Well, but that, then gassing that, people and, you uh, know, I mean, it's difficult when there's what, what, and that at least the media is reporting of what would be considered humanitarian issues where they're gassing their own people, you know? So that's, that's, and I don't, I don't know the whole logistics of, of the whole serious situation and we all should be more, more well-versed on it. But, but you know, it's diff it's difficult to say. Cause well, when, when do you decide it's okay and justify to, to get into a different country? I mean, if, if we're, if we're seriously going to be, you know, chasing after, uh, you know, human rights violations, let's go ahead and take a quick look at all of our own, well, yeah. all the people that we're allied with and Flint, Michigan. <laughs> right. So do, how much do we actually care? Exactly. Yeah. So, Let's move on because we could talk about each. I don't know a ton, honestly, about foreign yeah. relations. So I, if I oh, were, well, so you you were you were mentioning earlier about Tulsi Gabbard that she uh, was being criticized for being anti-gay, right? You know, and because uh, her dad had had uh, he'd lobbied basically for anti-gay legislation against gay marriage, and she, and I I don't know if that was his business or whatnot, but he was a, he was like a. I think he was a representative and he pushed for it. Yeah. Well, so, so he, he was a Polynesian and Catholic, which right. is like a double dinger for sure. like being anti And people were resistant and, and nobody's defending those type of pushes in politics. But we all remember when that debate, my mom was a lesbian. She passed away in 2012. So she died before the legislation changed. So I know when it was. And realistically, Hillary Clinton had not supported gay marriage, had voted against anything that had came up about it. Tulsi Gabbard was on the right side of that issue. She was already supporting it. So, yes, I think I encourage people to look that up and look at how she's responded to it. And, yes, you take people for their word, but also for their voting record. And she proved that she's voted for the alliances every time. Yeah. No, I, you know, I, I, she she's always going to take knocks because there's some really, str you know, there was one article I read. I think it had 
probably like 80 hits against her. But when I started looking into the sources of it, I was like, man, this is just like some random, this guy's referencing random blogs. Well, and that's it. I mean, that's kind of what we're going to end up going over a lot today is that, you know, the way that the media and the power media, so like the big market, there's what, like six channels basically that handle it all. The way that they control things. And when we get to Kamala Harris, that's going to be something that I'm really going to want to go over because, okay. you know, because it's true. I mean, it, she was early on in the race because if she needs to get name recognition. So she needs herself out there now so that people know who she is. And she got hammered. And that's what's happening. And that's basically what we're doing right now. But the, <laughs> but she got hammered for one issue or one little issue. But I think it's good that she I think she's running it well, you know, because she's getting that conversation going. And so far from what I've seen, because of her policies, a lot of the people in the LGBTQ community have supported her response to it. A lot of people, you know, some people are going to have issues and, and that's understandable, you know? Right. But she, you know, she represents an American redemption story where early on in her life, she might not have felt a certain way. She had different influences and you have to kind of step out and have your own experience. I was raised by my dad, who's a neocon, you know? And so I'm a progressive because I think about when I am choosing how I feel about an issue on an issue, I don't look at it, how it affects me. And then that's the end of it. I look at it. What's the better, bigger picture and what right. benefits our culture? Cause a, cause a happy society, not just happy, but thriving and confident society in each other. That's where we need to, you know, you know, I, I think that's always been one of my, my issues with, uh, you know, libertarians is that they're fiercely about the self, right. You know, and they claim that there's like this, uh, this bigger, uh, care for the, community at large but then well and it's the, there, that's exactly there's like there's I mean, a that's, that's the form that's what government and that's the debate and that's why a true republican if they believe in limited government or libertarian i can respect it but i do think it's short-sighted because we do have so much going on and every day with millions of people in this country there needs to be governance and there needs to be safety nets you know right. and so that's really what it comes down to is it's it's like the billionaire Howard Schultz we were talking about. I'm sure that the way he votes is like, you guys can figure it out. I figured it out. I'm a billionaire. <laughs> right. And so then he swims in his money and there's people that are outside of his, you know, gated community that are dying in the streets. And all they really would need is a, you know, a 1% tax hike for Howard Schultz. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's insanity. Yeah. You know, and, and they always talk about, you know, their if we restrict them on taxes, then we suddenly are taking away from their ability to be philanthropic. Right. And that's like a bullshit argument. It's like, no, that it's kind of like when you, you don't donate cans of, uh, you know, beans to the food bank. What you do is you give the food bank 10 bucks and they can buy, you know, and then you a can write ton more cans of beans than right. you ever could. Well, it's like the 98% corporate tax, Raid or whatever it was under Eisenhower. Yeah. You know, if you reinvest in your business, which means your employees, so you give them the benefits that they deserve and you pay them bonuses and that kind of stuff, then you end up not having the tax burden at the end, at the end of the year for your corporation. So they, we've gotten this mentality now, oh, it's just going to trickle down. But if it's 15% corporate tax rate, then they're literally paying zero because they write off everything else. And then the average person's paying 27, 28%. You know, it's, it's out of control. So there's just no way to come up. Right. So they talk about entrepreneurship and all this stuff, but they've completely defeated us right. when it comes to the corporations and the power brokers. 
So let's move on to some different candidates. <laughs> okay. Uh, Julian Castro is running. He's from San Antonio. Oh, he's from San Antonio. And then uh, Cory Booker. <laughs> wait, wait, yeah, yeah. That's all I know about Julian Castro. Yeah, no, so. he, he's he's definitely from San Antonio. I read that. I've been to San Antonio. Uh, did you meet Julian Castro? No, but I hitchhiked there. That's cool. Uh, uh, so Cory Ju- Booker is. That's all that we really need to talk about, Julian Castro. That's his viability. <laughs> that's his viability. Cory Booker is. Uh, New Jersey just announced yesterday, and the thing that that we talked about off air, you can touch on it more, but what he's proven to be, I liked how he started. I liked how Cory Booker came on the scene as a mayor and was going door to door, and I watched some stuff, and I believed it, you know, honestly, about his, I think he is a genuine person. Yeah. But then I, I really do think he's a good man, and I think he does care about the people and the community, but the minute he got in... The, f- the first signs just showed that he's completely for the corporations, that they're padding his pockets, and he'll do whatever they say. Yeah, he, he's already established a super PAC, and he's gone after Wall Street money. Yeah. And pharmaceuticals, when there was something on the... There was like a bill that would allow, I think, insurance companies to be covering uh, prescription drugs bought from Canada at a cheaper rate, and right. he voted against it. And, you know, because it's... There's just too much money getting put in his pocket. Oh, yeah. So he can't think about the average person. But I think he did come into it with the right intentions. And he's a prime example of how how the office corrupts, you know, you know, because he he's about himself now and he's about his pocket and his donors. The people, I think it's gone. Yeah. So uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, another one from New York. I don't know a ton about her yet. Other than she looks like a PTA mom and <laughs> yeah. which is kind of, I was telling my girlfriend that she actually does seem very comfortable and yeah. very normal. Somebody I re- could relate with. I think that it's even Cory Booker, the debates are going to be interesting because they're people that actually have something to say instead of very big wall. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, I, I like Cory Booker in a lot of different ways. Uh, probably the number one way is that, he knows how to grill people in the right way. You know, he knows how to re- ask the right questions. But Yeah, he's tough when he's interviewing people, you know, on national television. But does that actually translate? Right. And it's a lot of posturing. And it's obvious that it's posturing that he was positioning himself to run for president. So he was attacking at different points during Senate confirmation hearings, which but, is good, though, because there needs to be accountability, you know. Yeah. But it's it's interesting if his timing, you know, sometimes with some of that stuff. Uh I don't think he's announced it yet, but Jeff Merkley. Jeff Merkley has been I I've been reading that he's renting a place in Iowa, which is a tall tale or tell Telltale sign. I can't talk. But a tell of, you know, that you're running for president because yeah. he's been spending a lot of time in Iowa and he's been making some very big moves, which I actually respect what he's his politics a lot. Yeah. You know, you know, Jeff Merkley's the man and he's representing Oregon constituents really well because yeah. he's doing the things that matter to Oregonians on a national level and he's going beyond it. You know, he was really instrumental in talking about what was happening at the border of the kids being put in cages. Yeah. And he was present and again. See, this is where posturing, you know, comes into play. And that's the knock that people make on him in the media is what is he running for president? And it's like, well, I mean, if it's because he's doing things by making actions, then that's actually not a terrible thing. I'm glad he's doing it now. He could do it forever. I mean, Je- Jeff Merkley is probably one of the coolest guys we have, you know, like, and and are representing us. Absolutely. I mean, I think we're pretty. We've got good, tough senators right now. I think Wyden's attacking pretty hard on the impeach 
movement, you know, and so we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, Jeff Merkley has definitely done a lot of things I respected. You know, uh, are we, my, the office I work with, law firm, we uh, share a office, we're in the, right around the corner is his Salem office. It's kind of cool. Every time I go to the bathroom up there, it's like, oh, there's Jeff, there's Jeff Merkley's door. You use his bathroom. (laughs) I think we pee in the same pot. That's cool. Uh, You know, I want to, I kind of moved on real quick and I didn't touch on with Kirsten Gillibrand that the major thing that I've been reading about Kirsten Gillibrand that she's about is working towards finding solutions with the rampant sexual assault in the military. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important issue. Ironically, if you've ever watched the documentary Hot Coffee, it talks about tort reform. Yeah. And there was a woman that was a Halliburton employee. I totally just changed the subject. No, no. But but anyway, so she was a Halliburton employee that was raped by one of her superiors. She was former military and then worked private contract, but she signed an arbitration agreement. I really encourage people to watch this. But she was raped and then she was put in a storage locker while she was facing trial for her protection, quote unquote. Right. And... You know, her superior basically got to decide if he was going to go to court kind of situation. It was terrible. No. So, and I'm not speaking out against the military. (laughs) Don't send me emails. But like, I I think sexual assault is an issue everywhere and it's rampant in the military and it's no secret. And people in the military that I've talked to, young, early on, you know, troops and on a college campus now, sexual assault is something that young men are, are drilled with about what, how not to be. And I think that's good to an extent. Right. But the, what I was, I was running on with this, but in the documentary Hot Coffee, Al Franken was instrumental in creating Jessica's Law to change the way that tort reform was awarded and the arbitration, no, not tort reform, how arbitration agreements were rewarded so that you cannot, in the past, and if you sign an arbitration agreement for a job, you give up your right to a judicial, like a trial. Yeah. And so an arbiter will decide instead of a jury of your peers or a judge, and so if you're a sexually assaulted, raped, harassed, those kind of things, they get to hire the arbitrator to decide if your case is worth it. Right. So Al Franken was a pioneer in that. And then down the road, his stuff came out with sexual assault. And uh, uh, Gillibrand pretty much led to his demise. <laughs> so it's interesting that, you know, accountability is really good. But I and I we could go on in that for a long time. But check out the movie Hot Coffee. Uh, you know that that movie is super important on so many different levels. Yeah, I mean it really pulls back the the displays that you know the other side's willing to go to. Yeah, uh, in order to basically downplay uh, something that's really serious. Like if anybody doesn't know the background, back in the eighties, a woman spilled. Uh, hot coffee hot on her lap on her lap at mcdonald's and sued for a million dollars and then before i don't want to get into any more because but people I, need to watch it but i do want to i do want to say that you know the way it was portrayed in the media is like oh i'm gonna go get something hot from a store and sue right. for a million dollars well the truth of the matter was she had like severe right like but, mental the, issues so it's real early on in the in the show and i think the twist at the beginning is is what pulls people in when they watch the documentary so let's not ruin it even, <laughs> even though it is it is history you know you got to think to yourself about what you visualize when you hear about the woman because everyone talked about the story of her dropping hot coffee on herself yeah. so that's all i'm going to say because right. the rest of you have to see it so it's an hbo documentary called hot coffee it, it's exceptional an, it's an incredibly important Movie. Yeah, and it's a really easy to understand uh, 
film about tort reform, which is when somebody gets, oh, they got awarded $13 million, but George W. Bush had passed legislation that limited, put a cap on tort, so how much you could get. And it's like $250,000 or something ridiculous. Yeah. And so people have no idea. They're like, they got $10 million, but they didn't. So watch oh, the okay, movie. Okay, so... Uh, I don't know how much I can talk about this, but I'm going to go ahead and try to keep it vague and, and to the point. So tort reform basically means protecting insurance companies and corporations. Anytime right. you hear tort reform, that's what that means. It's protect it protecting corporations and insurance companies. It's a limited liability clause. So like it makes it to where they're not liable past a certain amount of money. So there's no such thing as a quote unquote frivolous lawsuit. For instance, uh, we had a client that got some, like smashed in a machine ended up paralyzed from the waist down and he's facing, you know, multi-millions of dollars in expected medical costs for the rest of his life, you know, for the remainder of his life. Like, uh, and it's all related to this machine that they refuse to put a $10 part on. Right. Uh, and there's a cap how much money he can get. So he's not covered. So he's still completely screwed. The cap was, put in place at $500,000, all right? And the jury awarded uh, a total of 10, but found him X and X percentage at fault. So he ended up with, you know, being awarded less because that's how our system works. Right. Um, so we're, this is an old case. It's been going on like for years and years. Right. And we're, we're we're not going to find out what's going to happen until either we until this tort reform shit goes away. Right. So yeah, I encourage everybody to to watch Hot Coffee. We got off on that, but it's it's definitely it's a good watch. So let's move on to another candidate, another, sure. a big one, Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren, I think, is my favorite in a lot of ways. She's made a couple missteps. I like that she's a teacher. That she seems like she is passionate about students. So she's, you know, education is a really important issue to her and how we're going to fund that for, for everyone equally, you know? And, uh, obviously her misstep with the native American stuff. I mean, how do you feel about that? Uh, you know, I think that's actually a really strong reflection of, of how many people in America, they can relate to that because they've, they've so many people have said, Oh yeah, you know, I, my great, great grandma was uh, such and such native American. Right. Or my uncle from Oklahoma, you know, he, everybody has a relation to native Americans at some point in some sure. way. Uh, and Elizabeth Warren's story is that same kind of family lore that it's been passed down for everybody. Well, and I think that she would, I think that she wasn't trying to pull one over. I think she was told that. I really believe that. And yeah. I also think that it shows the admiration that she has for the Native American community because she was super proud of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so she wanted, you know, she misrepresented, like you said, her her story, but she was extremely proud of it. She was ex- extremely proud of the perseverance of that culture. Right. And that kind of stuff that she wanted to say that she believes that because of that influence, that that's what something that has pushed her. You okay, know? I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say something really quick. So when it comes to cultural identity, you know, there's the identification aspect where you can identify with your roots, but then there's also people that 
are still alive living that life and it's part of their everyday culture right you know that's just simply who they are and so i when i look at you know elizabeth warren she's doing this distant i relate to it thing like sure she identifies with it but then I somehow don't get a feeling that she's going to a couple of powwows a year no, or hanging no. out with potlucks or no. And it was an interesting gaffe. I mean, you know, when you get when you run for office, you got to run your mouth for days. You just got to talk and talk and talk. And so there's different things. But yeah, I don't know what her intention was, and it and it's not even really that is the important part to me. You know. Uh, so so here here's a little thing about about uh about Elizabeth Warren. And I told you earlier that I had a little story to tell, and this this might be a little bit more involved, but I'm going to go ahead and try to get it through as fast as I can. Uh, Oprah uh, used to use this financial guru named Suze Orman, right? Well, Suze Orman, uh, she gives bad advice. She's considered one of the shittiest financial advisors out there, and she doesn't have, like, the true cap, you know, uh, whatever. So she teamed up with Elizabeth Warren to do prepaid credit cards that if you pre use these prepaid credit cards, they were going to start building your credit. Right. And Elizabeth Warren started pushing for, you know, all these things that were for these kinds of credit cards. And then people were like kind of getting screwed by it. Uh, the, you don't get credit reporting from a prepaid credit card. Right. And so how is this system supposed to work? And uh, when both her and Suze Orman did, did pretty well financially off of it. How does a prepaid credit card work? I mean, you just, that's a savings account. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait, what, I mean, yeah, it, right? it, it, it made zero sense. Yeah. That but, is a and so, you know, I was like, why would she back this? This is like almost counter to what she really believes right. in. I'll have to look into it. And I'm sure that, you know, business moves people. I don't know. We've got a lot to go over. So we sure. can't, you know, I mean. <laughs> but that that's my little. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Hey, this what? is the thing about each of these candidates. All uh, these well, things so, are. So she has, she has kinks in her armor. She, oh, absolutely. If, if people dug into her past, she's she's uh, got some pretty chunky stuff. Anyway. So uh, the people that, you know, aren't running, we're, we're going to get to Kamala Harris in a minute. Yeah. Because I think that's a big one and it's important. Um, but the people that aren't running, you know, hopefully Hillary. I mean, I've heard some some murmurs about her possibly hopping in again. Oh, and, and The Rock. He's, he's running too. Kanye and The Rock. And Hillary Clinton. The power yeah. chicken, Hillary Clinton. And Michael Avenatti had his little brief... I love how CNN asks everybody. I haven't been on CNN, but I'm sure if I did, they'd be like, so when are you going to announce? <laughs> but uh, uh, Michael Levinati is finally off of the TV. It was pretty fun watching him. Every but then you realize this is real life. You know? Yeah, yeah. Michael no, Levinati, if you're not familiar, is Stormy Daniels' attorney that his debt is just CNN's little little piece. They love him. Yeah. But uh, so he was talking about running and apparently he's he's out and that's good news. Oprah, you know, Richard Ojeda is somebody that was in the conversation and I'm not sure if he's still technically running or what, but he ran for office in West Virginia and closed the gap by like over 30 points. And he's a former Marine or Marine. You're not a reformer. So if he's a Marine that his big issue is opioid addiction and I like him being in the conversation, whether he can have a viability or not, I think he'd be a great vice president pick. 
because he's tough and he's a good mouthpiece and he's his heart is you know talk about what i was saying earlier about caring about the people like it is clear cut that that guy is passionate about his community right you know and so that in the conversation in the primary is super huge for you know so yeah that that's one where uh there were like Republican operatives working against him by collecting. Right. He uh, got he got like jumped during the race. Like he got beat <laughs> up, and he's like, "You got to look up Richard Ojeda because this guy is a badass." There's no two ways about it. And I like the idea that in the general election, if he was a vice presidential pick, that he has influence over both sides. You know, he's somebody that could really help unify the country because he's pro military. I mean, he's military true and true, and he cares about issues that are important to progressives. You know, and Republicans and things that we need to get back to that the things that we agree on. Yeah. Like we fought over who gets to have the term patriot. No one can deny from either side that Richard O.J. does a patriot. You know? So, <laughs> so uh, look him up if you haven't, you know, seen a lot about him. Uh, Kamala Harris, you know, the thing that always sticks out to me about Kamala Harris, who I would say right now is the front runner for the Democrats. And the reason I say that is because her biggest donor is Warner Media Group, <laughs> who owns HBO, CNN, and DC Comics. So you heard it here first, but my prediction is that Kamala Harris will be the next Batman. <laughs> because the, CNN has obviously decided they had the first town hall of the political series. Yeah, no. With they, Kamala Harris, and they batted their eyelashes. Like, CNN, CNN's kind of a shit organization. I mean... The, so much of the news that I hear from CNN is like, it's not journalism. No, it's just, it's well, but all of, you know, Fox news, CNN, even MSNBC, they have a lot of opinion shows. And then even when they're reporting their breaking news, that's the biggest problem I have with CNN is on every single hour. It's breaking news. So it's breaking news. Kamala Harris is in the building. Uh, breaking news, Wolf Blitzer just used the shitter. Breaking news, Trump is about to give his 1500th rally. Here's an empty podium. You know. Uh, breaking news, somebody told half my sandwich from the kitchen. Uh... Breaking news, the Patriots are not in the Super Bowl. Because that actually would be breaking news. Otherwise, it's not worth reporting. Richard Ojeda is a patriot. Yeah, uh, that's bre- that's breaking news. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, we got to wrap it up. But you know, the we kind of went over some of the candidates. We didn't even talk about Bernie. Uh, okay. So let, let me let me jump back into Kamala Harris. Uh, one, one of the things that I, you know, mentioned earlier about a, another candidate was a there was a super PAC B going after Wall Street money. She's done both. Right. You know, she's she's and been, she was a tough cop basically. So so when. Like if you look at her circle of influence, right? Like the people that brought her up are, uh, what's her name from, uh, California? Um, the speaker of the house. Oh, Pelosi. Yeah. Pelosi and, and fine. Feinstein. Feinstein. Yeah. Diane Feinstein. So she came. So they're like 900 years old. They're, they're, they're her mentors. Right. Right. And basically they introduced her to establishment politics, you know, the the establishment power players. And that's where she's getting all of her strength and and, uh, momentum from. Yeah. It's not like she's got this genuine grassroots background, but she's got the 
She's um, got the power of the centrist. Yeah, but then, she, she's got the political machine behind her. You know, and that's her. the thing with Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders being in the primary last time and why all of the candidates being involved, what it does is it steers the, question, the conversation in different directions. And so Bernie Sanders got it to where a person like Kamala Harris is now supporting Medicare for all. And right. so that's why these primaries are important and that we need to listen to the different ideas for the different people. And you will see candidates like Cory Booker, Kamala Harris fall right in line and the media is going to go goo goo over them. And Joe Biden, if Joe Biden wants to rub women's backs during the election, because he's an, he's, he's a groper. Like that's all that needs to be said. All you have to do is watch Joe Biden being in public and he shouldn't be president. Okay. You know, uh, let, let, let me go ahead and touch on that really quick because when you look at the way that the, the Russian videos were put together, right? If you were anti-cop, there was an anti-cop video playing in your news stream on a regular basis. Oh, I get you. I get if, you were, if you were anti-Democrat establishment, they would have like five videos on every single person. And the groping videos that were compiled were part of the whole Russian scheme. The Biden stuff. I oh, mean, I I think before Russian was getting Russia it, was getting involved. I've seen no, this for no, years. It, it's 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 the edits. You know, sure. The, way, the, way, the, the thing way. is, is that them never happening. Like, you know, to a lot of people, these especially on the left, this is a major issue. Where where Bernie was in a uh, town hall with uh, Alexandria Costa Cortez, and he touched her shoulder in a very and it sounds crazy among two guys having this conversation, but it was a super disrespectful way. You know, and Joe Biden, it does what has done it on camera. And I agree with you that they compile. It looks the worst when you see a bunch of them. But literally, if you just watch with your eyes, any two hour presentation, like of the State of the Union or something like that, and you watch him, he's going to do something perverted. I mean, like, uh, like it's so. So look, the, the guy, the guy is almost 80, right? Or 80 or however, the, how old she is. Right. And so if we keep things in generational context, that's the way the fucking line things were back well, then. Well, that's why he shouldn't be president in 2018. All right. And so I, I should should we be eliminating anybody that's over 60? <laughs> no, it's not about age. I mean, I get where you're going with that too. But in my opinion, Joe Biden, I actually love the memes. I thought he was a fun vice president. But the more and more that I had seen footage, and you're right, about the cuts, maybe I get what you're saying. Like that it, it's presented to you in a certain way. But, you know... The landscape has changed, and so those kind of people aren't going to be able to just kind of get away with that kind of stuff because now, I mean, look at the representation of new women leadership no, in uh, Congress. I, you I, know, I, I fully agree. You know, no, you know. I, I, so it's people like Biden that pushed and do that kind of stuff, and I'm not saying he's that terrible of a human being. I mean, George Bush Sr., when he was 90 years old, was grabbing chicks' asses. And saying, who's your, did you hear this? That he said that, who's your favorite music? Uh, you know who my favorite magician is? David Copperfield. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah. 90 years old, dude. Like, I don't know. It's pretty, yeah. you, you know. And uh, that was the old way of thinking, you know, and that was, oh, that's just the way things were. But I, I, I mean, mean, it's 2018. It's not it now. If I, if I want to connect with, with baby boomers, you know. You got to grab an ass the, every the, once in a while. Maybe or, not quite, but you know, <laughs> know. It, it's it's a it's a different framework of thought than sure. if you're dealing with like a a twenty three year old. It's just generation. Well, could baby boomers elect a woman? I, I hope so. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, mean, because that, I mean, realistically, at this point, I think the strongest candidates that have announced are women. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think even Kamala Harris is in that conversation. I think Elizabeth Warren is in that conversation. I think Kirsten Gillibrand, even though there's a lot of knocks on them and they may be centrists or have different issues in Elizabeth Warren's case, because she's definitely not a centrist that, you know, I think they're very viable. And it's, I think running again, I don't want to check a box and elect somebody because they're a woman. That's not why. No. But if they're the strongest candidate and, a, and running against Donald Trump would be really interesting to watch. I can't, I don't know. I can't believe that, you know, watching him chase Hillary around the stage and stuff. And in hindsight, you know, I look at things a lot differently. Like Hillary, Hillary was a terrible candidate. Uh, yeah, no, she, she was like the, she was probably the most true in the blue, like corporate mainstream neoliberal roots candidate. Right, and had no compassion with the, to the American people. She didn't know the American people, especially in the middle of the country, you know. So no, I no. mean, and it'll be that's the that's why it's going to be interesting to see how these people, like Tulsi Gabbard coming from Hawaii, how she's going to do in Wyoming and and Wisconsin, you know, you know, just different places. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm excited. Yeah, actually. no, like, it, I actually really watch politics like sport. So that, that's the thing funny. that bothers I, people I, that love me is that I can turn it on and off. I I, I tell people I watch, uh, you know politics like uh people watch nascar always uh, go left <laughs> no like that? Uh, on but, that note, on the- <laughs> uh, but no i watch it like people you know people used to watch soap operas right right you know always go left so just remember that i like i watch i watch politics like i watch sport nascar so on that note mayo you're a dear friend i want to thank you for coming on dude you know yeah man. everybody in i think it's february 9th in eugene there's a big push and you'll see some promotion for it. There's going to be a big organization launching of Medicare for all in Lane County. And they're going to be pushing for that. And I think that for, for me, I won't even consider a candidate in this presidential election if they don't support Medicare for all. Cause I think that mental and dental it's time for that. It's time for people to not have to stress about that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, and to just kind of, I mean, yes, it's going to cost money just like your health insurance does. You know, and I think the numbers are being crunched to show that it's cheaper. So I think it's time for people to be able to be seen by mental health, you know, professionals. And I think they could eliminate a lot of problems. So Medicare for all, we're going to be talking about that with James Barber, I think here pretty soon. I'm going to bring him back on and we're going to talk about that. So I got to get, I got to wrap it up because we're hitting that hour. All right, man. It's always good, man. We're going to do this more often. We'll bring you back on. So I'm going to play a song that I did a long time ago. Uh, This is me, Self-Esteem About Willie with... The separation of church and state of mind. You can't prove wrong the headstrong with just one song. You can't prove wrong the headstrong with just one song. Weak fornication is on my mind. Then I think of the pain. Love, love, life, and over stress, and focus our attention to the foreseen depression. It's their search for tools, not possessions. Collection of dreams, avoidance of triple beams. Which way's disaster? As a master of owning my own domain, I maintain a level of fear to stay sane. Recognizing battles for status, and I will just stay plain. Nothing can give you terminal faith unless you find inner strength. Nothing can replace the great escape unless you can give up to the angst. 
Nothing can give you terminal faith unless you find inner strength. Nothing can replace the great escape unless you can give up to the angst. You can't prove wrong the head strong with just one song. You can't prove wrong the head strong with just one song. Nothing can be answered without deeper questions. Nothing can be forgotten but into lies. Collection of images I despise. I chop it up to Illuminati family ties. Nothing can be sacred. I'm scared I'm faking an attention to emotional detail and lack of respect for how others feel. Eyes peeled to let my God deal. You're gonna make decisions with your mind missing blind vision Get up on the mic and try to preach but you're kind of fishing Election time is basically courtship I see little bumper stickers say created a warship Horseshit out of the page way before the state was ever created Made it a phase, latent hatred and praise Just because something looks different doesn't mean that it's changing So we ought to know the difference before we choose to engage Separation of church and state of mind Segregation has twisted up our spine Separation of church and state of mind Dedication to stop those who cross the line Fuck the president, fuck the government Now that that's said, well it pretty much covers it My page is covered in wise, this world is covered in lies Seven degrees of separation, so we're covered in ties There's just one man, you take away the line So the fact that you react, the only fact that holds intact the binds Open your minds, and open up the blinds Just a little note, to help you cope with the times Dedication to stop those who cross the line.